Hello, hello, I'm Lindsay Luttrell and this is Table 5. As you know, I usually like to get on here and talk about a restaurant or highlight a wine or something that I'm loving, but I wanted to use this time to start a conversation with y'all. I want to know what you are liking about Table 5, what you wish there was more of, guests you want to hear from, questions you want asked, and anything else that you want to share with me. So if you are listening on Spotify, you should see that you can answer a prompt right there in the app. And if you are listening anywhere else, please head to Table5Pod on Instagram and shoot me a message. I already love when I hear from you, but I would absolutely be thrilled if you sent me your feedback on the podcast as well. So anything you want to let me know about Table 5, please do so. And as always, if you like what you're hearing, please feel free to leave a rating and a review. All right. My next guest is a father, chef, a cookbook and children's book author, and a TV personality. In this episode, we talk about going from kitchens to top chef to hosting shows on Food Network. We get into imposter syndrome, his West African roots, dad life, and our shared love of New York. I loved getting to know him better, so please enjoy my conversation with Eric Ajapong. Okay, I'm taking all my bracelets off because I always forget they make so much noise. Um, like clankings. The clank, clank, clank. Hi, how are you? What's the deal? How are you? What's going on? Thanks for having me. How are you? Oh my God, I'm so excited. I'm like, it's so funny because I feel like I'm just now really getting to know you. So it's yeah. even more exciting to have you on because our first couple seasons of Alex vs. America, I feel like everyone was just like in the groove of trying to figure it out. That like new show realness of just like yes. navigating that I'm like, I, I'd be like, hey, Eric, and like go about my day. <laughs> it's um, layered. It's the new show real. It's the new show realness, but then also it's like trying to figure out your role too. And then there's this like on camera, off camera kind of relationship of like totally. people, and then you don't see people half the time. So it's uh, it's it's nice to see you in person again. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I imagine also like for you in that position, we have so we do so many shows, and the crew can either be similar or totally different. Like you can come on to the set of a show and be like, "Oh, I don't know any of these people," but the people in the control room who aren't on the floor, you know, like you're probably like mm-hmm. dealing with way too many faces <laughs> to be like having wow. to remember everything. It's it's tough, but then there's like the usual suspects that you see like half the time, and um, usually like you're right, like the crew shifts. Um, but then it's usually like, uh, life moments that like make it happen. Like somebody's having a baby totally. or a wedding, you know, you know what I mean? Like something's happening. So there's always like a kind of like a celebratory, hopefully, uh, kind of reason behind it. But, um, meeting new people is also pretty dope as well. So like this whole kind of like family of like production and understanding like how TV works has been like a complete, uh, education to me, but it's been a lot of fun as well. So um, I love it. I'm, I'm meeting a bunch of people from like the audio, visual, hair, makeup, like totally. everybody's just like a big, real like family. It's dope. Well, it's funny because I've actually always said I worked in a restaurant when I was living in New York, the only restaurant experience that I ever really had. But um, I always relate this industry to the restaurant industry. It's like... Mm-hmm fast moving it's you know people can get hired and fired really quickly where it's like a lot of other industries you like go through a hiring process you go through a firing process there's like right. H, you know whatever it's like such a different experience but i'm like they're kind of similar like restaurants yeah. and tv have you found that like merging into the tv world 
I definitely see that the hours are crazy as well. The HR definitely is like a step behind, maybe. Um, but like, <laughs> um, yeah, but there's definitely a lot of similarities. I mean, I think one thing is just understanding like um, the cog in the machine. You know what I mean? Like, it's not totally. like you you're like a piece of like the puzzle and it's really important not to like lose that thought because even though like the project is bigger than you, you are so important because without you right. things can as well. Uh, and that's the same thing, like working on the line, you know what I mean? Like working in the kitchen, even uh, a chef working on like the Garmanger, the, the intro kind of like the introduction, you know, uh, station um, that can crumble as well. Like that's the first yeah. line of the- as far as the restaurant so like you all it, it all kind of com- comes together with that um and i love that regard like i love that um but then also like there's like chain of command there's a brigade system like there's directors there's pas there's like there's people yeah. that you know have to like uh respond to other you know folks and just totally. all of that kind of just creates like a really cool kind of like atmosphere i think in both uh in both settings but i definitely see the, the, the similarities for sure yeah i know every time someone comes on one of those shows like uh you know one of the sh- like competing chefs, they're always like, wow, I just had no idea all the, <laughs> the people no and the thing. I know. Hey, I'm like, I not alone. No one knows what goes into making one of these shows. I love <laughs> like the, I do the, um, the behind the scenes sometimes like the Q&A on Instagram and like I do the behind the scenes on um, like Alice versus America and people are like, oh my God, like that's what it looks like. It's a whole yeah. like busy body kind of like it's like moving ants you know what i mean just like yeah. if you look at like a thirty thousand foot view um but yeah it's it's wild but you know the deal i mean this is like yeah this is life <laughs> is that like what was that transition like when you first started doing tv you're like you're a chef you you cook in restaurants you're like in some of the best restaurants in new york and then all of a sudden you're like i'm gonna go do top chef and now i'm in tv land i had no idea <laughs> like seriously no idea i i say this like jokingly now but i feel like it's like the the uh, the cliche joke for me at least like i'm truly comfortable and i say truly truly comfortable like working in a kitchen and just like you know kind of kicking it and that's what my intentions was especially like yeah. the top chef i thought you know what i mean like it, it was what it was you never really know um what can happen and like what the type of like you know what's what's on the horizon essentially i had no idea uh, right so it's hard for, to anticipate the opportunity yes it's, it's exactly it's very hard to anticipate all of this so for me my logical kind of brain was just like all right i'm just gonna go back to what i know um right. so when all of this started kind of like rolling um i'm super green i don't know what i don't know i i'm not good at a lot of things to be honest <laughs> <laughs> um but like I just was very flattered, to be honest, by just the idea of like entrusting me to even like have this position of hosting a show on the Food Network or like doing right. these like guest judge spots or whatever the case is. Like I can talk about food, like I'm happy to talk about food. I love talking about food, uh, but then like there's a almost like a skill, kind of like a, a a a muscle you have to train to kind of like talk about food, walk and like smile and like look at right. the camera like not fall and not trip and like all of that jazz like and i thought i was like i thought i was gonna trip on myself truly yeah um i still think i do uh but like it's been it's been kind of working out so so far so good it's so crazy i can't imagine like 
you know, when you, it's different when you go to school for like journalism or broadcasting, or you're like, that's your dream. That's your goal. And you're going to work towards that on camera presence. And then it's a totally different thing to be like, okay, well now I'm getting these job offers because I'm technically like an (laughs) expert in the field and they are now like putting me on camera. And now I'm like doing this whole song and dance. I always say an interview and I have like chefs come on and they're, I'm like, okay, but can you just say it like this? Or love that answer. If you could just say it back like this. And then at the end of the interview, I'm always like, I'm so sorry that I'm like puppeteering, like dance monkey dance, but like, I I just know the way I need it. And they're like, no, 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 it's okay. (laughs) That's what it feels like. No, I, I, it's weird in a way you're absolutely right. Like I didn't train for all of this, but then also subconsciously in retrospect, I feel like I might have been kind of preparing myself for this as well. Like I fell in love with cooking through Food Network. I fell in love totally. with like, you know what I mean? Like culinary yeah. arts, that uh, that stand and stir, that kind of like representation of just like breaking down food. And like, that's how my like understanding, at least up until college was like of food, you know what I mean? So I, I think subconsciously I kind of had like, uh, I've been watching like, you know, uh, Rachel Ray. I've been watching Elton Brown. I've been watching Bobby Flay. I've been watching Alex Garnashelli. I've been watching all these shows and all these uh, um, uh, personalities on the network. Um, so to me, if it, it, in that regard, it kind of feels second nature. Um, but then also like when you know, I guess when you can speak with authority, there's a little bit of confidence that comes with it too. You know what I mean? Right. Um, that, that helps as well. So I, I rely on that. Um, and I like to like dress up sometimes and I kind of just like, that's my formula. (laughs) That's like, if that keeps me going TV, that's, that's, uh, I'll keep it going, whatever. I never (laughs) thought of that of like most, like a lot of chefs I talk to, they're like, oh, I grew up watching Food Network, watching Emerald, watching whatever. I never thought about how like, almost like osmosis you are in a way seeing how those people do it. And so now it's like, oh, I'm getting that opportunity. I just remember in, when I was taking like on-air hosting broadcasting classes, she, I remember my teacher said to me, she's like, it's not enough to be like a pretty face anymore. You have to be an expert in something. So find your like niche, like find what that is. And I remember being like, I don't, I'm not, I don't have a, like, I'm not an expert in anything, but I was just like, okay. And that's so true. Like so many people now are getting opportunities. Like a really awesome chef is now hosting obviously food shows, you know, like, I just think that's so cool that you're able to kind of like parlay into that. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good point. I think, um, being able to be adaptable is like super important. And then also like you think about all those, like those uh, minor classes that you might've taken like in college or those things right. that just like at the moment didn't seem that damn important, but like you realize in retrospect, like, Oh, I really rely on like that one class that like taught me how to, you know, speak in public, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, like all of that kind of matters. So to me, um, it, 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 it it's an easy parlay, um, in that regard, but then also I'm like, I'm being myself too. Like, so totally. that, that helps, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like I, that kind of like concoction, hopefully I feel like is working. Um, um, and I'm having fun with it as, as I continue to do it. I'm starting to kind of like pick up the rhythm as well. And, and, um, I'm not like, I've been doing it now for like a couple of years. So it's not like brand, brand new to me. Yeah. Uh, so now, and especially with like, um, as we were talking about earlier, having that relationship with like the people behind the, the scenes as well, like that comfortability starts to build and chemistry starts for to sure. build. And, like, all of that becomes a little bit easier. 
Um, and you know, season two, season one, season season two becomes season, uh, better than season one, and season three becomes better than season two, and yeah. so forth and so on. So like that's what I've been relying on, and and seeing the same kind of people, and um, and really just kind of honing in, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. When you started doing Alex vs. America, did Alex have like a like a sit down, like a chat with you? Was she <laughs> giving you advice, or or was she just like do your thing? Let's go. Um, a little bit of both, I think. Um, Alex has been doing this for quite some time, and she knows the ins and outs. She knows, like, what I find so impressive about her is just like her gift of gab and her know how totally. and knowledge about food is just like otherworldly. She's like an encyclopedia, but then she can just her hallmark to me, at least, is like aside from the skill is the way that she can like portray like just relay that information with 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 uh, with humor with uh with knowledge with a bunch yeah. of like sass like like everything's there uh so like i was just like trying to pick that up right there and to me her number one thing was like no just like do what you want to do like do your own thing and like feel free at it so i, I think that. she noticed that, yeah i think she noticed that i was kind of like trying to find a groove early on and she really just like your groove is like you like just do your yeah. thing and um i think like you'll pick up like a natural habit and i have she was absolutely right like i you know it's still good to like pick up from other chefs like i i love like i mentioned like her humor her wit her um her way to kind of just relate uh culinary information um it's really brilliant but then i pick up from like uh like Bobby Flay, you know what I mean? Like his charisma behind everything and how he can like uh, uh, really like educate people about like flavor and um, and combinations and, and cooking techniques in a way that doesn't seem like it's like you're in culinary school. You know what I mean? Like right. there's just all these really cool techniques that um, make teaching food very, very relatable that I think is super important that I also think is like, we're talking about a medium here, like TV, like it's, at the end of the day, like what we need to, what we're saying needs to hit, it needs to like, it needs right. to be received. It needs to, like, people need to be like picking up what we're dropping. Right. So like right. how we see it and how we kind of relay that information is super important. Um, and, and watching those people like do it is just like masterclass for me. About to say, it's like your own little version of like being like tutored or like a one-on-one -on -one or like having like, <laughs> no, honestly, it really is like I'm, I'm learning so much on the fly um uh but then also like real life experience like i'm actually like on stage i'm you know, like i'm doing it so um it, it comes and goes and i think again like with with more time becomes like i am comfortable and i just get a little bit better with it now i feel like i'm picking up a really good like rhythm um to be honest uh, yeah. but that's not to say that I'm not going to be like, I'm capping myself and I won't be better or, you know what I mean? Or like, you know, present more and keep yeah. my back or enunciate better or whatever the case is. Right. Like I can always be better. Yeah. I can always be better. Well, and it's like, I mean, on beach side, this will, this will be beach. side will have aired at this point when this comes out, <laughs> you're like, oh, I can't talk about that. Um, but like on beach side, you got to go be the, the version of that where, your team is looking up to you and they're like, oh my gosh, it's Eric Ajapong. And like, oh, I'm learning yes. this from him. I'm learning that from him, this takeaway and that takeaway. I mean, so it's like, yes, you're on this one level where you're like, oh, I'm working with Alex Gornishelli, who's the greatest chef of like, you know, and I'm learning mm -hmm. so much, but then you're also like, now I'm the one that everyone is kind of 
you know, learning from or like using as a mentor. Yeah, that's like heavy imposter syndrome, isn't it? Like, because <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like, okay, me? Like, you have no idea. I'm still learning about this shit. So, uh, oh, can we curse my bad? Um, yeah, no. Sorry. Right, you cool. can curse. Um, yeah, so I, <laughs> my bad. Um, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, there's a, there's a kind of like a baton, a passing to the baton that's happening yeah. where, you know what I mean? Um, I'm kind of in the middle of the two, but I like it that way. You know what I mean? Like it keeps me uh, kind of on both sides of the fence where you have like a world of experience and know-how and like I've been there. And then also you have like uh, curiosity and like uh, energy and vitality, right. and, like, you know what I mean? And, and hunger, like these people who are like um, – new and these up and coming voices and uh, personalities on the network and that you see coming through like, uh, you know, Chopped and, and B-Side Brawl right. and, and all these great shows, like um, a lot of these chefs are going to break through. Like they're really, really talented right. and we're we'll passing through them. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, like candy, but we're going to like stop in front of like the next Bobby Flay one of these times. You know totally. what I mean? Like, yeah. So like to see that kind of like energy and um, curiosity, uh, but then also skill. Like these people are talented. Like they they yeah. know what they're doing. Um, it's inspiring. Um, it keeps me on my toes. But then also like um, on the other side of the fence, like I can bridge the gap because I'm like, all right, this is what I'm learning here. This is what I'm doing, um, uh, and this is what I've experienced. But then also like I'm new to this too. So like take this right. with a grain of salt. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, so funny yeah. you say. Um, it's so funny you say imposter syndrome because I feel like. That is such a struggle. I feel in my life, I had struggle with imposter syndrome all the time, even with this podcast. Like, I'm like, who am I to <laughs> like, be doing a podcast? And so it's like, take someone being like, what do you mean? Like, you have been working in this industry for so long. Or like, I'll give like a restaurant shout out or like a highlight at the top of this podcast. I'm like, who am I to tell someone to go to this restaurant? Like, you know, it's like, I just feel like struggling with them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, why yeah, me? Yeah, yeah. Like struggling with imposter syndrome is something that I feel like everyone goes through. And then you also don't think anyone else is going through it. Like right. you would never assume that like Eric Ajapong from Top Chef and like Food Network star has any version of imposter syndrome. And then you're instantly like, you want me to be a mentor on a Food Network show? Like what? <laughs> like, That's what how do you like. overcome that? Yeah, clutching my pearls. Like who me? Like you want me? <laughs> <laughs> so I totally get it. But then- you know, one of my favorite kind of like remedy quotes about imposter syndrome is that like you think everyone's looking at you or thinking about you, but truth is no one really is. Like everybody's kind yeah. of focused on themselves, right? And, and focused on what they're doing. So when I hear you talk about like, oh man, you know, I have a podcast and I'm putting out my opinion. I'm over here like, Lindsay, I think you're brilliant. Like, I'd love to hear what you say. Like, this is really cool. Like, tell me what you're going. Like, I, I value your opinion. Um, yeah, but in our, like, in our solemn mind, we think like, uh, you know, no one cares. Right. Yeah. Um, I can't do this or whatever the case is. And I think a little bit of that is actually healthy. It, you know, it keeps you driving. It keeps you going. Sure. It keeps you, like, you know, it keeps you motivated. Uh, but like, I'd say it's probably like not as big as we kind of make it in our head for, for sure. Um, oh, yeah. so I say imposter syndrome, knowing that like, uh, in in like in actuality, there's people who are being inspired, like you said, or people who are yeah. like, looking at me. 
Um, so there's a little bit of like um, uh, 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 kind of responsibility, you know what I mean? That yeah. kind of comes with um, that kind of keeps my back straight as well. So it, it all kind of goes in hand in hand. And I think, again, the more times you do it, the more times you do your podcast, the more times I do the show, the more times right. I clock into work, the more time, just the 10,000 uh, hour rule. Like you keep chopping wood, you're going to get better. It's, you know, totally. that, yeah. I yeah. sound like Dr. Phil, right? I feel like I'm like, just doing all these like <laughs> life remedies. <laughs> I'm like, I interviewed Eric Adjapong today and I'm a new woman. <laughs> no but i do think it's so true and i there's a quote or maybe it's even a verse from the bible like i can't this is gonna sound bad that i'm like i'm quoting something i have no idea where it came from but i remember reading it and it had an impact but obviously not a big enough one that i can remember where i read it but it was something (laughs) like it's so selfish of you to assume that anyone is thinking about you as much as you think they are kind of like along those lines and it is interesting because you're like in your world you are the center of that universe, you know. We are the the, <laughs> the hero. We're the main character. In yeah. our, like We are. Yeah. We are all the main character in our movie. So when you think about it, we're all kind of extras in everybody else's movie, right? So, <laughs> right. And, and then else- you're like wondering how you're being portrayed in everyone else's movie. And it's like, you're not in my movie. I don't even think you're about not even in my movie. I don't even like think <laughs> about you. You know what I mean? Like, so it's just do what you want to do. Like, if it's in you, if it like, if you think about it in the morning, if you think about it at night, or if you're just like, fuck it, I just want to kind of try it. I just want to see what happens. Try yeah. it, do it. If you like it, you like it. Yeah. That's so funny. I'm going to keep thinking about that. Like, you're not even in my movie. You're not even a background character to my movie. Like, I'm not even thinking about it. <laughs> you're not in the credits. You're not even like girl on the street in the credits. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. Oh, that's so funny. Um, wait, a minute ago you said in college. Did you go to like a traditional university? You I did. did, yeah. Well, not traditional. I went to, uh, well, I, I guess now it's kind of morphed into it, but uh, Johnson & Wales University um, in Providence, Rhode Island is where I went. Actually, just funny enough, went there. Um, I was there over the weekend, two weekends ago for the first time in like X amount of years. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, so I went to school in uh, Little Old Rhode Island. Um, that was interesting. It was like a college town. Um, so Johnson Wells is like uh, known for culinary arts, but it has like so many other like um, universities or colleges rather inside the university. Yeah. And then um, uh, uh, it's so small. Providence is so small. Uh, there's like Brown University. There's RISD. There's University of Rhode Island. So I felt like I graduated with like everyone. So even though like I did culinary, I, I really have like people to this day that I can rely on from like different kind of like backgrounds, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, so culinary arts. did you arts. go for culinary from the beginning? Like you went there for culinary. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to culinary, oh, excuse me, I went to Johnson Wells for culinary arts, culinary nutrition. Um, and then I, uh, I moved back to New York um, from there and I worked in a few restaurants. Um, I worked in uh, Nuella that was opened up. Um, and uh, I worked for Eric Ramirez, who just was nominated. Wow. I worked for Mark Forgione, um, Rouge Tamat for a little bit as well. And then I moved uh, to England. I, I moved to London for like two years. Yeah. Oh, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in, uh, I was in England for two years. I was studying for my master's out there. Um, so I went to the University of Westminster. Uh, and I was like a broke college student, but it was like the best time. 
best 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 time of my life it was so cool a lot of fun wait so uh, your master's in what in co- like how, what's your mat what was your what were you getting a oh, that's in? a really long title uh so don't be impressed uh but it's international <laughs> <laughs> international public health nutrition is the exact title of the other uh, master's degree so not uh, impressed about yeah no not <laughs> about like policy and uh how policy affects obviously uh public health and food in different countries and developing countries and stuff like that so um i just kind of fell into a rabbit hole really of like how do you bridge the gap between i guess like actually knowing how to cook food and then like like feeding people and people who need food and uh, you know like for me i just kind of like that's how much i, I loved uh food um yeah. and, and and not just like feeding people immediately, like you're making something for an hour or two and then like you sit down for 15 minutes. But like there's people who don't have food. Um, there's people right. who like uh, need access to food and, and things like that. And uh, with it, it kind of feels like at least for me, I feel like a, uh, I guess it's a civic duty. You know what I mean? Like you work with your trade. You have to do something for like your countrymen. Um, I, I felt very strong about that. So um, going into the public health sector was kind of one of the reasons why I fell into that path. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, I'm assuming like this brings me to where you're like your family, but I'm assuming that has something to do with being, I mean, your family's from Ghana, correct? Mm-hmm. So yeah. does that, I mean, do you think that like all of that wanting to bridge that gap comes from your family, your roots? Cause you weren't born there, but your family raised you in new york but from they were first generation over here exactly yeah 1000 percent. so i um my folks came to uh the states in the uh, late 80s had me um and my younger brother and um you're absolutely right like i you know ghana is a robust beautiful amazing vibrant country uh but in very much uh regards it's still developing and um um there's there's pockets in in the country that uh, have uh, not as great access to food, um, and that was kind of one of the reasons. It's not just like the access to food, also, but it's also like the foods that we're eating and kind of like um, uh, through, uh, I guess, industrialization and now things are being modernized and people are spending less and less time at home and more time working. Like finding kind of quick, fast ways to to feed themselves. Mm-hmm. That was really like my um really it was the theme to my thesis as well um and uh yeah so i went to ghana actually for my thesis to do some research on on all of that and yeah just uh, like you mentioned kind of bridging the gap um and then coming to uh, i came back to uh, to new york um and i worked at uh in harlem um as a health coordinator and kind of put practice to a little bit what i was doing um cool. so I was just, yeah it was pretty cool i was working with um just uh, middle school kids, high school kids in, in Harlem and uh, just teaching them about healthy food, teaching their families about like just healthy practices. And um, and that was just a really, really cool way to just like get in the field and really understand like um, taking all the stuff out of theory and books and stuff like that and, and all these research papers and actually like seeing people and yeah. like, you know, being there and face to face and like getting the real world experience. Uh, so all of that really matters. Um, and I was definitely inspired as well, uh, the last bit, uh, by Jose Andres, like when he started the Well Central Kitchen and just see- seeing like the power of what a chef can really do, you totally, know, um, yeah. and and that to me was just super inspiring. So yeah, I left for England because of that and it's definitely kind of helped. I'm not, 
Uh, I, I try to drop like nutritional facts here and there, but for the most part, it's 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 dormant at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Wait, so your yeah. parents were living in Ghana. So you and your brother are first generation. Yeah. So my folks so they moved to, here. Yeah, they moved. They moved here um, like 85, 86. Oh, wow. Uh, and then, um, yeah, I was born in 87. Uh, and then my brother was born in 92. So, um, yeah, we were the first two, uh, the only two in my immediate family that were uh, born here. I have an older brother and older sister that were born in Ghana um, as well. So that dichotomy of like, or duality rather, of like, you know, a very traditional West African home, if you can imagine, but then like right. in New York City, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so that was, that was, that was my, uh, that was my childhood for sure. Like, uh, all the smells, the sounds, the, the aroma, the, the colors, the co-out of like West Africa. And then I cop outside and then I'm seeing like, I got, um, my best friend is Albanian and another guy was like Jewish and my homegirl is like Jamaican, like all these like amazing eclectic kind of like, uh, backgrounds. It was dope. It was a very cool That's experience. Unreal, yeah. Yeah, it was really, really dope. Um, and I, I think about it too, because I would like go to these homes of my friends and like have dinner and like have lunch and, and I'm getting exposed to like so many different foods and I had no idea, uh, especially kind of like leading into this path of like culinary and chef and hospitality and, and all that, uh, like how that would affect my kind of like palate now. Like I very much think very worldly about food and um, and 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 how all of that kind of connects and i think new york and just kind of my upbringing has so much to do with oh all of that gosh. in addition to the fact of like growing up in a really like traditional west african home right yeah. so what made your parent what were your parents doing in ghana and like what what made them move to new york and were how old yeah. were your siblings that moved to new york oh wow so my uh i think that was at the time um calling card was just like better life come to america mm -hmm. like everything is you know what i mean like you can uh be all that you can be and, and and everything that was the promise and and they actually have like my mom is super proud and would never have thought in a million years that like moving from ghana and now having a son in america would be on like on television like that's right. that to her is like a massive <laughs> achievement for like my mom and knowing like uh, talking about, again, uh, everyone's like a star in their own movie. Like my mom's world is very quaint. You know what I mean? Like yeah. coming from a small village in, in Ghana, then coming to like America and like, like just learning culture, learning like everything. And then to see her son, like, boom, like here and like doing culinary, like oh, everyone. Yeah. I mean, she must be like, what is happening? <laughs> what F, right. Exactly. So it's pretty cool to see her, um, and I go on a tangent about her all the time, but she's like, she's amazing. But yeah, so my, uh, my, my parents um, pretty much came to the States uh, to just get a, a better life for everyone. Um, and, and um, my brother and sister, oh, wow. I was, uh, I think I was eight, eight or nine. Um, and my brother uh, was 17 and my sister was 15. And that's when they came over to the states. So this is my like I, I I was born in I was born in New York, um, but for like a small period I lived in Ghana uh, from like two to five, right? Um, and then I came back to to New York. So I remember meeting my brother and sister from that like small time period, even with like very right. faint memory. 
but I didn't really know my like brother and sister other than just like talking to them on the phone, you know, back in the day. So like, I'm really being introduced to like two new siblings, essentially like hopping into like eight or nine years old. Wow. Um, yeah. It was pretty, pretty crazy. And them, they know everything about American culture. They've never lived in America. Um, and then they're just like hopping straight into like high school and like oh my gosh learning. you're like yeah. that's like the worst <laughs> time to like do something new they're like oh i'm from ghana i'm 17 and now i'm going to high school in new york city in new york city right <laughs> um so interesting times there but they flourished like they, they they handled themselves really well and they wanted to go to college and um like they amazing uh, my brother's an anesthesiologist. My sister works um, like IT for hospitals at John Hopkins here in, in, in Maryland. Um, so I'm super proud of them and like everything they've accomplished. And like, what's funny about it as well, because they have children of themselves, them, their own rather, and like they're hyper American. Like they're- right. <laughs> That's <laughs> so funny. Right. So like, you know, they're, my brother and sister, um, very much Americanized. Like if you talk to them for a while, you might like hear an accent, like very faintly, but like in casual conversation, you're like, oh, you know, someone that was just born in like New York or Philly. Yeah, you're like born and raised New Yorkers. Totally. Yeah, born and raised, right, they do. You know, um, but their kids are like, dad, what are you saying? I don't even understand. Mom, like I like, it's complete like different language. And it kind of very much feels similar to like how I grew up with my parents, with my nephew and nieces, with my brother and sister. Um, that interaction is always like rem reminiscent of like how I grew up with, uh, with my mom and, and my dad. Um, yeah. but yeah, it was, it was a very crazy, uh, but loving upbringing. I, I wouldn't have it any other way. No. <laughs> so you born in New York, you've lived in Ghana, you've lived in England. Where else have you yeah. lived? That's like wild. Cause I just <laughs> feel like already I'm like, you've been around the block, Eric. <laughs> I've been around, yeah. So I lived in Ghana, lived in England, uh, here in the States, and like up and down the East Coast. So Rhode Island for school for a little bit. Um, and then I'm in Maryland currently now. Um, and I've been here for the past four years. And I lived in Connecticut. I lived in Connecticut for like a little stint as well. So I know the East Coast, up and down 95 yeah. for sure. Yeah, I know it well. <laughs> oh my gosh. So growing up when you're like, my house was very, is it, would you say, is it Gahanian? Uh, Ghanaian, Ghanaian, um, or Ghanaian. I say Ghanaian. Ghanaian is another like pronunciation. Ghanaian. Okay. Yeah. So your house was full of your culture and your food. And I mean, even the colors you're saying, like, yeah. I, I imagine that was, was it, well, I guess I don't imagine because I come from a very like little bubble, but like, <laughs> Was it cool that you were able to like lean into your culture and your parents were able to like really be rooted in Ghana while being in New York? Or did you feel like an outsider ever? Like, was it ever weird or was oh. it like, no, this is great? No, there's always that like weird feeling. Um, uh, wow. Yeah. My childhood wasn't like a struggle, but it wasn't like, you know, better roses either there was a lot of um uh kids can be mean you know what i mean yeah. and like you no know you're from like a different place they can just like poke fun at it um or like sometimes when you leave your house and your clothes smell like a little bit different because you're like your mom was making food like that like that type of like existence was me 
You know what I mean? It's funny because I talk about like my experience as a first generation. And then I talk about like my manager um, uh, uh, is uh, from Persia. And then I have like other people from like uh, Iran and like people from like India that I know who are all first generation. And um, and they're like, oh, wow, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, I know, like, right. yeah, like, like I would leave the house and like my mom was making curry and like my clothes smelled a little bit different. And like, I would speak to Padma uh, from, Top, um, uh, from Top Chef. And she's like, I know exactly what you mean. Like, and it's so hard to like articulate that to someone who may not like understand. But these yeah. are the things that like um, subconsciously stand out, but consciously like you hear about it. Like you, like right. you're, you're aware that you're different immediately. Um, and to me, that was very much my existence for a long time and there was a little bit of shame uh that was kind of associated with that because i I didn't have a strong connection with um uh, especially when i was like maybe like 10 11 12 13 going into like my teenage years the uh, my only time of a frame of reference with going to ghana was when i was like two three four five right right so i didn't really know why i was being made fun of because i'm like yo i'm american i'm over here like what's good like you know what i mean like but then I have that clear, like my skin is very dark, my my hair is very kinky, like all these like very like features that uh, are very much like African, um, and uh, it, it, it that was kind of like the juxtaposition. But then it's crazy because once I started to find identity, and it always happens around like a teenage year, like you kind of like okay, this is who I get to know, and maybe like into college, you really start to like find yourself. Right. I was like, wow, this is. This is something I can, this is something I want to embrace uh, furthermore. Um, this is something that like is um, my unique POV because especially like uh, during Top Chef, like when I was cooking, I, I've at that point I've studied like modern Italian, modern French, modern American, classic French, all that stuff. Like, but I never had seen anybody making like West African food for 16 seasons on the show. So I'm like, boom, this is my, this is my way in. This is like, you right. know what I mean? Like, this is, it's right in my face. Like it's right here. Yeah, this is what sets me apart. This is what sets me apart, right? So why not like combine my forces and try to figure out a way to kind of like give flavor, give understanding, give some education uh, while making some like bomb ass food on the show. And and it worked like, so in so many ways, like I'm so, I I wouldn't want to be from anywhere else on the planet because like, um, going to Ghana now in my like later years, my old, my older years, rather, uh, I've gone more and more times and like, I just love it. Like, it's just like a, it's just a beautiful, like I'm home here. I'm home in America. 100%. Mm-hmm. When I go to Ghana, I feel like I'm really like at home. Like, it's just, it's just a different kind of like, um, hospitality. There's a different kind of like, uh, uh welcoming. Um, and yeah, you're so connected there's so much connection there. Like even, even if I was not born there, there's so much connection there. Um, so it's pretty cool. It's, it's, it's really dope. Um, and, and I use, it's not like I use it as a tool. It's very, like, I, I say this often, like if I was, um, if I was a musician, you'll hear it in my music, you'll hear like the West mm-hmm. African music. painter, you would see it in the paintings that I would do. Like, it's just a part of me. So right. why not like about it through the food? Yeah. 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 That's incredible. It is such a, um, a like lovely experience when you can 
finally and eventually like lean into like what makes you you like no matter if that's like where you're from or like something about your personality or whatever your uniqueness is like the second you allow yourself to like know that part get to know it and like decide like yeah I'm not afraid to show people that it's like such Mm -hmm. a release like such a gift to be able to be like this is authentically me and for you to like be able to come into that after like either being made fun of or always feeling kind of separate or I mean, you are from somewhere else, your family's from somewhere else, and you're born in New York. And even though it's like the biggest melting pot of people, and you're saying all of your friends from different walks of life, like you're still a bit, to some people, an outsider. And it's like so great that you were able to finally get to that point, like most people in their, you know, late teens, early 20s, figuring it out. Like, (laughs) this is who I am. I'm going to use it to my advantage because it's what sets me apart. It makes me special. And, you know, your food speaks to that. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I subscribe to that like a hundred percent. It's so important. I think, um, not to get like all hoity-toity. I feel like we might've like gotten there already, but like there's, <laughs> everyone is here for like a specific reason. You have a duty on this earth, whether you believe it or not. And like, when you can figure it out, like I was watching, I was watching the Super Mario Bros movie. Right. And it talks about what we're talking about right now. Tell me and more, so, Eric. I'll tell you more. So like, so in the beginning of the movie, right. Um, these guys, they wanted like a sense of like belonging. Um, everyone has like their, their thing that they have to give to the world. These guys just so happen to be amazing plumbers. Right. But they were so lousy in their delivery. They were so lousy in like marketing and all that stuff. Right. But like that was their niche, that was their thing, and then like they found out obviously through like this the movie like later on and, and you know how how special they actually are, um, right. and I think that's a real like life kind of like metaphor of like for us like we all have that kind of like calling, and I think when you can lean on to like where you're from, um, who you who you like associate with. Uh, um, uh, uh, community whatever like that right there can really like help you just just like distinguish yourself from everything else right. um, and that's just really 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 key so find find whatever it is is like your your niche the thing that you love to do your craftsmanship and then like color without the or color outside the box so to speak with like your culture color outside the right. box with your your attitude your your approach to life and that right there i promise you is going to bring so much attention so much like value to your life and you just have to dive into it like you just don't resist it dive into it yeah. um i say that all the time and i preach that all the time I, I really do i think it's super important yeah so are you like do you think about that as a parent now like are you like okay i have this daughter in the world who's now second generation and I have to give her all the knowledge that I maybe didn't have or learned through my own experience and then also let her figure it. I mean, how do you, how are you giving that back to your child now? How old is she? She's four. She's four oh my now. Gosh. And I, I, I don't know. Like there's a lot of the world. I, I kind of lean on to the fact that like, I want her to have her own experiences. Like she is her home self. And that's one yeah. thing as a parent that I was told early on, like, yeah, they come from you. They are yours, but they're their own individual, like life person who sees yes. the world and view, like, and is their their and is their main character in their own movie, right? Right, uh, right. So, like, you're um, a co-star, so step, step aside. 
a very close one, but I'm the close star. So like, it, keep that in mind. So like, it's important to have her experience uh, life in her like POV. I absolutely want her to do that. Now, where I come in and steer her wrong or steer her is like, tell her what's right and what's wrong. Um, um, tell her about herself, where she comes from, uh, uh, the culture, the family, the language, like all of that is like my, uh, essentially my duty as a parent yeah. and protecting over like that's what I'm supposed to be doing right so she'll be able to do that with her children if she so decides to so um I I I I, I get that almost like um it's almost like a innate kind of responsibility it's not something that I read in a handbook it's not like yeah. a, a, it just feels like I have to do this you know for my yeah. child um, and, and it feels good doing that as well. Like she's curious about like going to Ghana. She wants to go to Ghana, like, well, you know, getting ready for a trip. She hears the language. Like she listens to my grandma, um, uh, her grandma, my mom talk. And like, she gets excited. She's like, what is she saying? Like, you know, she's asking like, how do you say this? How do you say that? Um, and then food. She's so curious about food, seeing me on TV and like wanting to learn how to like bake a cake. Let's make some cookies. Right. Like science behind that. Like at four years old, um, it's it's amazing so whatever like she's whatever like bucket of curiosity that she's in at the moment or the week i'm just gonna fill you know what i mean like as yeah. much as possible and, and that's kind of been my uh my mo yeah are you taking her to ghana yes for sure yeah i want to take her to ghana um and next year is our is our goal um for Good. i wanted to make sure she was like older make sure she can like actually remember the yeah. trip and everything so next year we're planning to go and i'm excited she's excited um but yeah it's gonna be great and i can't wait to see her just like out like in the streets out like at my parents house like just hanging right. out just like her being a kid in a completely different country um i'm excited for that it's gonna be awesome are your parents back there or are they still in new york no so my um my mom is in new york um and my father my father passed away uh 2005 my mother remarried um and oh my gosh unfortunately my stepfather uh, had passed away uh, in february so we're actually oh, going right. to i didn't realize that was yeah oh, yeah so, so we're actually sorry. going to ghana oh it's fine thank you thank you um life uh yeah. we're gonna be going to ghana next month to uh for the burial yeah, yeah. and that so was your back. stepfather that was my stepfather mm -hmm. yeah so we'll be going to Ghana for the burial. Um, and yeah, so my mom currently is in New York, but before uh, my, my stepfather passed away, they built a home in, in Ghana, in Kumasi, uh, which is the second biggest uh, city in Ghana, Kumasi. Um, and so they go back and forth all the time. My dad was going back and forth, checking in on the house. Uh, right. My mom was going forth, like vacation times and stuff like that. So whenever it would get cold here in New York, they would like hop over to Ghana for a few months, come back when it was warm, stay in New York. Yeah. Uh, and that was kind of their thing. Um, but it slowed down, obviously, as they got older. So, right. uh, yeah, so now we're going to be going back there, but we're going to be staying at my parents' house over there. And yeah. Um, yeah. so it's it's um, it's a sad reason. Yes, uh, but we're definitely going there and we're going there with family. We're going to make sure that we like have a good time and, you know, uh, enjoy yeah, celebrate the life. Yeah. yeah life for sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So your mom speaks the language. Do you speak the language? I do not. So, okay. Ah. I do. I do. Um, I, I, 
I know the language. If you, if I, if someone were to speak it to me, I can understand it with clarity, maybe about like 60 to 70% language. Sure. Me saying it, I can probably speak probably like 30% of the language. Uh, so I know like the basic ins and outs, like, you know, the hellos, the goodbye, the pleasantries, <laughs> like the emergency <laughs> stuff, you know what I mean? like fire, shit like that. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. I can, the I can important stuff, really. The important things I can get through. Uh, but it's so crazy, Lindsay, because I remember the last time I was in Ghana. Um, this was uh, last two years ago, actually. Um, and I had taken an Uber um, and uh, the Uber dropped me off in the wrong section, like the wrong area, completely like misdirection. And my phone was dying. So I'm like completely. Oh, my gosh, out. that gives me so much anxiety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I'm like, OK. And then I see this beautiful woman, um, street vendor. She's like selling bread. And then for whatever reason, like my my linguistic instincts just kick in. I'm just like, <laughs> like asking her, like, how do like, I Like, I'm to meant to speak to this beautiful woman. <laughs> deep, dig deep for the power within. <laughs> and it just came out within. And I'm like fluently speaking as I'm speaking. And I'm like surprised at myself as I'm speaking. <laughs> dying you like pat yourself on the back when you're finished you're like nice like in like dire situations when like life's on the line like you'll figure it out so so like i I mean clear clarity it it, it was like this the the way i'm not even thinking to speak to you it was just like so clear and without thought um so i'm like it's in me i just gotta like so you know the the funny joke is just like anybody says if you're in ghana or really honestly any place for like three months you'll learn quickly. Like right, it's, right. it's you know, your feet to the fire. You'll learn how to like get your, uh, your bearings in. Uh, but over oh, here, uh, my mom, <laughs> my mom spoke English. She spoke English uh, to us. Um, and she, uh, my parents spoke tree a lot. Um, but again, What's it was it called? all tree. So it's T W I, uh, but it's kind of like the T and the W are very like one word tree. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. So, uh, that's the dialect, uh, but there's so many different dialects in Ghana. There's like Ga, there's Fansi, um, so forth and so on. So it's a la- it's a country full of different languages. Right. Uh, there's a lot of commonality within the languages. Uh, so it's kind of like um, the best way to probably like uh, analogize it is maybe like accents here. Like you you may have like or lingo here, right? You yeah. Have like someone who says pop um, or like soda. Um, right. You know what I mean in different parts of the country. And that's kind of where like the language kind of splits, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. It's funny because when I go to Ghana um, and I speak English, there's, it's an English speaking country as well. Um, so I can speak English, but it's very obvious that I have an Eng- like an American accent to my English. Uh, right. When you go to Ghana, there's a Ghanaian accent to the, to the, to the English. Um, but then when I go there, I notice that like my American accent kind of dissipates a little bit and I pick up a little bit of the Ghanaian kind of like, you know what I mean? Like cadences. Yeah. yeah. It's just, I think it's just when in Rome, it's just a very natural thing right. to do. <laughs> so when it comes to your food, obviously mm-hmm. you are kind of always speaking to the you know, your roots and doing West African. And even though I know you went to culinary school and kind of know it all is, do you have any like dream of opening like a West African style place? Or are you like enjoying kind of where it's at right now? Like, you know, or are you like, I gotta have a West African style place one day? 
that's been the dream, the goal for like since I was 10. Um, I I still want to do it. Uh, this issue though, there's like 24 hours in a day. Like I'm really, really like jammed up right now. So like in a great way, first world problems. Um, yeah. Like I'm there's a lot busy. of amazing. Yeah, just way too busy. Um, but I think in a way there's kind of like a reverse ingenuity kind of thing about like the way I'm approaching, um, uh, the restaurant, because usually it's the restaurant that kind of gets you to like the hosting and right. you know I mean? all that stuff. Um, so I'm kind of like stacking the deck, so to speak. And, um, I feel like being able to talk about the food, um, and, and, and host and like, uh, speak a little bit of authority, like you mentioned, has given a little bit of kind of like a, a groundswell of like that anticipation. Yeah. So I definitely, I, I'm excited for it. I definitely have plans for it um, and in different locations as well. So yeah. uh, for me, I uh, super calculated, like I want to make like the next move, the best move kind of thing. So I'm very much like, um, uh, like that one artist that you love that comes out with the album like every 20 years, you know what I mean? <laughs> like that's how I- <laughs> That's how I like to do it, like work my projects yeah. in, um, yeah. you know what I mean? So um, I'm really like honed in on like what the restaurant step would look like and yeah. kind of like expanding the brand. Because uh, when I do it, I really want to do it like in a, a high scale, mid scale, like right. fast casual kind of thing. Yeah, That is really cool that you're able to kind of lay the groundwork, plant the seed, like, you know, to explain what West African cuisine is, what it is to you. And then when you actually start it and bring it to the masses, there's like an excitement and an anticipation of like wanting to like understand what Eric's been talking about and like, you know, see your version of that. I think that's really cool. My version of it. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, my version of it is, is like, um, uh, the, the, the key point to the census because there's other chefs who are within the diaspora who are doing that, like, country and they're they're putting out their versions of that food and that cuisine um and there's so much to celebrate there so um i think it's just kind of like a, a rising tides and you know raising golf ships kind of thing yeah. so when i when i have my opportunity to, to do out you know to be out there uh not only is there going to be like uh, a general curiosity like you were talking about but then also it's going to be like almost like a a small education because also yeah. uh, on on flip two there's people here um, uh, in the States who come from West Africa, who come from like the diaspora, who know the food, you know what I mean? So it's not much of an education, but it's just like right. more an excitement. Like I get to see some representation like out and about. So for them, it's, or for us as chefs, it's kind of like serving both of those crowds where you're like, um, you know, you're, you're, you're tending to the curious diner, but then you're also tending to the diners. Like, oh my gosh, I had that when I was like three years old at grandma's house and I get to right. see it like, you know, restaurant menu. Um, and I haven't seen that before. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. So did you learn to cook from your mom or like, were you, were you interested in that when you were growing up or were you kind of like staying away from it? Cause you felt so different. No, I loved, uh, I, I grew up, I think food hit me. I think it was like Yan Can Cook, Julia Childs, uh, Emerald Lagasse, like those like classic shows. Um, yeah. and just watching like that process of like, you know, sounds corny but like using fire and turning something into something else and eating i'm like oh shit this is pretty damn cool like i love that um and i'm like six seven at this time so 
watching my mom as great as a cook she was when I was six or seven, it didn't really hit me like, oh, she's doing that. Like she's doing exactly what she's, you know, what they're doing. Yeah. But like her version. So yeah, watching my mom uh, cook, I was like, this is pretty cool. And um, I had more of an appreciation. I remember at a very young age, like the food that I was eating, because I was like, oh, I'm seeing it on TV. And to me, it just related in a really cool way at the time. I don't know. Um, And that's when the bug bit me. So I started my way in the kitchen, um, like domestically at home. Yeah. uh, Through like pastries and cakes and stuff like that because nobody and like I come from a family of really good cooks my sister's a good cook my mom aunts uncles um, but no one really was like doing the desserts like baking the cakes the the, the pies like all that so I was like all right that'd be my niche that'd be my thing Um, and that was my thing for like a long time and I started doing yeah I started doing like a little bit more savory um, and at that point like um Wow. Yeah. I went to culinary school. Oh no. I went to a vocational school in, uh, in um, high school. Um, and you kind of have like, like that conversation with your guidance counselor, you know, like, what do you want to do? And you're like, you know, at that point I was like, all right, I really do love cooking. Um, and I love everything about it. So um, I went to like a formal cooking school uh, for like half the uh, period, half my day um, in, in high school. Um, and I was learning like the brigade, learning like the kitchen, learning about like, you know, at like 16, 17. Um, and I was locked in. I was like, all right, this is it. This is what I want to do. And from there, like I haven't turned back really. That's so yeah. cool. I feel like you're the second person or maybe even the third person I've interviewed who has said that they were able to like learn this and kind of like get involved from vocational school. And I'm like, I don't think we... Hmm. Unless I'm wrong, I'm like someone from Fort Walton Beach High School. <laughs> Give me a DM because I'm just like, did we have vocational no. school? Like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, I didn't even have home ec. I think it was offered in middle school oh, as wow. an elective, and I like did drama, of course, because I'm like, yeah. whatever. And I just don't remember vocational school being an option. And maybe I'm just wrong and have no idea. But that's so cool because I've talked to multiple people now who have been like, yeah, I really got into it through vocational school, and I'm like, that's great. Yeah, for sure. It was, um, it was amazing. Like at, at the school, it was like, it was a school, it was cosmetology school. There was, um, uh, uh, auto mechanics. There was the culinary, um, wow. maybe two others. And yeah, like if you just so decided in high school that you wanted to like focus on that, um, cool. So they were like yeah. the nine out of the day, five of them would be at the vocational school. The other four would be at, you know, like learning chemistry, whatever. And then, yeah, that's that was amazing to be able to have the opportunity yeah. to learn a trade while in high school. Oh, yeah, it was May did the same thing. Malin did vocational. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. And oh, then so she- did Darnell Ferguson. Get out of here. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, the vocational school uh, uh, chefs. That's awesome. Yeah. I want to say, yeah, that's just crazy that y'all all had that opportunity. I don't recall that being an option. And maybe it's because I didn't have anything I was trying to learn. Like I wasn't trying to be in culinary or cosmetology. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why I'm so unaware, but I think that's yeah. such a great opportunity that people are given oh, to 100%. focus on school and a trade. It, it, it's the school and the trade part, but then also it's taught a little bit of like um, uh, self-reliance, entrepreneurship as well. Yeah. Like, work you know, ethic. Yeah. 
ethic, all of that, like all of that was like learned super young. Um, and those habits definitely are formed now, like our practice now. Yeah. Yeah. Did your parents who like, you know, came over here for a better life to live the American dream, obviously to try and provide opportunity they didn't think they would be able to have for y'all in Ghana. Did they have any issue with you wanting to go into culinary? Because I mean, I feel like most people are like, that's not, yeah. you can't do that. You don't want to be in a kitchen. That doesn't make money. You don't want those hours. Like, were they like, no, no, I did not move here for you to be a chef. Or were they like, go after it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, for sure. I think, um, but, but in the way that you probably, even at my big age right now, I, it's hard to like articulate that support specifically because it was, it was unwavering but it was also like shaky. It was like, all right, we trust you. Yeah. But like, all right, we are trust you. Sure? you. <laughs> are you sure? Like, don't don't fuck up. So right. That's I, like my mom, my mom could attest to like, she saw me watching the culinary show. She saw me in the kitchen with her. Like she saw that in me and she, you know, she says that till this very day. Um, but then like, I come from a family of like everyone works in the medical field. Everybody's a doctor right. or like an anesthesiologist, whatever the case is. So when I got into culinary, I was really following for passion and not necessarily thinking about money as a, like a young, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm. I don't care about money. Like I'm like, money this is who what needs I'm, it? <laughs> money who needs it? Yeah, whatever. Pay bills. I'll figure it out. It'll work itself out in the uh, in the in the yeah. box, right? Um, and really that was my like naive ass mind about everything. And like people in the real world, like, you know, like you gotta, you gotta be able to just like support yourself. Um, so to be honest, that was kind of the reason why I tilted a little bit towards the nutrition side of things in culinary school, like, um, and having that kind of like safety net, so to speak. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Work, yeah. I can always work in a medical, um, uh, like facility or like work in a hospital or have my own practice. Um, related to like dietary needs and, um, sure. and you know, all that. So I, like that was kind of like in back of my mind, like my safety net. And then also when I did it, I kind of fell in love with it in, in a way that I was like, I want to learn more about it too. Yeah. So that's why I went to England and, and did the master's um, in, in public health. So it kind of worked itself in a way where like my parents, um, their support was always there. Um, they they defended and, and and championed me and and were there for everything culinary and all like they were there, yeah. Um, but they also were like, you know, we're hoping this better work out because we're putting our chips in you. Like this right. is yeah. you're our investment. Essentially. Yeah. So we want to I mean, see like, you succeed in this. It's a hard <laughs> life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, so that that all worked out and um, and then for me personally, as I kind of wanted to give them assurance as well, fell in love more and more with like the nutritional aspect and everything with yeah, it. So it, cool. it worked itself out. Yeah, it did. So do you now, like, obviously you learned how to cook through TV and your mom and kind of taking on the sweets pastry role at home. Like, yeah. does your daughter <laughs> cook with you or is she just interested on from the sidelines or is she like, I want to get in there and help? Uh, she wants to get in there and help. She's interested in the sidelines as far as like the, um, the more adult things that don't look like chicken fingers and like, yeah. Right. Like she's oh, that's like, cool. 
Yeah. Uh, but like, she loves making breakfast and pancakes with me, like in the morning. Cute. That's our, our thing. Uh, I love it. Um, that's like a cool bonding moment for us. Um, uh, we make like cupcakes, and and um, the other day we made chocolate chip cookies, and we had like some leftover dye from like this like science experiment that we were doing. She's like, "Daddy, let's put it in there." So they came out like blue and red and purple, and like. <laughs> So like doing just like little, like just being a kid, but then also it's cool, Lindsay, because um, you have no idea like how innocent and beautiful the world can really be unless you like hang out with a kid. You know what I mean? Like everything is just like, there's so much noise, like internet and social media and work and bills. And and then you just hang out with a kid and they're just like, yo, I just want to have fun. Like, let's just just do stuff. Shit. like like what do you you got games in your phone like what do you want to do like yeah. they're all about like from so that that kind of like uh freeness it's also like inspiring for me as a chef because it's like i can see you know let's fucking put food coloring and shit like let's just see what happens yeah. you yeah, know it's not gonna like, matter to these cookies yeah, let's do it if it excites you yeah let's do it fuck it like and kind of having that freedom to just say let's just do it is is, is really cool um yeah so Having having my daughter, uh, it, it definitely keeps me young. I've never thought yeah. I would be old enough to say that, but yeah, here I am. <laughs> well, it's so funny because I just read this thing somewhere, you know, on the the rabbit hole of Instagram. But I read a thing where it was like, if a child hands you a penny, a rock, a piece of paper, you know, a string they found, a shell from the beach, yeah. like, just remember that that's all they have. And for them yeah. to hand that to you is like, I'm choosing you worthy for my one possession. possession. Like yes. I feel yeah. so rich that I found this shell and I only want to mm-hmm. share it with you because I love you. You know, like you're my aunt Lulu or like you're my dad yeah. or whatever. And so it's like, I read that and I don't know why I've not been able to stop thinking about it. Cause I'm like, <laughs> that makes so much sense when they hand 100%. you something like that. They, they are these little innocent you know, everything it's, is new and it's all just uh, like, you know, love and rainbows because they're being taken care of and they want to give you the shell or like, you know, I just think it's so cute. It's good to remember. And like, like you're saying, like you don't realize it until you're around a child, like how just like innocent and free they are. Yeah, innocent and free. It's like, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, something tells me that that's the way that life should be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we should all do that kind of like innocent and free. Uh, I feel like they're doing it right. And then like you grow up, that's the trap. Like adulting yeah. is actually. <laughs> You're like, wait, maybe I should be Peter Pan. Growing up is a trap. <laughs> I'm assuming that that's why you wrote your children's book, like to give your culture and your roots through a story that makes sense for your child, right? Oh my goodness. It's that, but then also it's a, it's a story that like I wanted to write for my younger self that I never saw uh, when oh, I was a yeah. So the story, it's fictional, but Lindsay, it's very much about me. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> so uh, it's a kid growing up in New York City, uh, a West African home, but a very eclectic kind of neighborhood. Not uh, seeing the similarities, huh? Not, not at all. I mean, like, I don't know where. Interesting. Where did you come up with this? <laughs> Just the my, uh, it's the creative writing in my brain. <laughs> the juices started flowing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but then, yeah, like it's, it, it talks about, um, you know, just belonging and, and, and food and all that jazz. Uh, but you know, like for me, one of my favorite things about like books or like really good books or really good movies are like Easter eggs. 
you know, little yeah. things that you really, really know about it, then you like, you'd be super like happy that you saw it. So, um, uh, the main character's sister is Lennox and, you know, named after my daughter. Yeah. So like just you know, something that she can like pick up on and, um, you know, it, when, you know, random people, you know, read them and I'm so thankful for random people for reading it, but when random people yeah. read it, it's a name, uh, but for her, it's going to be super special. And I think that's like, yeah. really cool. so, um, I, 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 it's a cool opportunity to, um, think like a child and like be free. And, um, there's no kind of like, there's no ceiling, you know what I mean? This is like yeah. whatever you want to do and it's fictional. So like, however you want to take it, you know, let's take it. It's gotta, it's gotta have a, like a beginning, middle and end. It's gotta, you know, make sense, but like, right. you know, go, go crazy. Um, and I really do appreciate like the publisher and my editor for giving me that space to just like be as creative with my backstory as possible. Yeah. <laughs> be as creative with the story that I just pulled out of thin air. I mean, our best stories are the ones that we relate to. So, I mean, I get it. That's no, but awesome. I, I love so it. Like, great, um, there's like, there's a cool like science fiction twist turn to it, um, cool. which is like really fun. Um, so it's it's me, but it's it's me like in a in a parallel or maybe like alternative universe or whatever the case yeah. is. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. So when did you leave? Like when did you move from New York? And was that hard? Because I mean, when yeah. we were just in New York shooting something that we can't talk about, but when we were just in New York together, I I was having like a like total draw into the city again. I'm like, I'm moving here. When was the last we time were, you had been back? Oh, before we were shooting? Yeah. It had been, I mean, I go often. My sister lives in old Greenwich, Connecticut. So I oh, go so you're okay. enough. Like I, at least once a year, well, I'll pop I mean, in if like I'm the there. Last time stayed, like a good stay in New York. Oh, the last time I like stayed, stayed where it was just like probably two years ago, I spent a week in the city. And then before that, it was always like little like, I'm in Connecticut. I'm going to take the train and have dinner with my friend and like take the train back. And I would do like little stints. And then I didn't, I haven't lived there since I think mm -hmm. 2012, 2011. So, but I was just like, oh, it's drawing me in. Like I have to move it back. Is, like, I is. just <laughs> Yeah. I think I think what it is is like actually like waking up in a city and then going to sleep in a city and like yeah. that just need like maybe two kind of cycles, like 48 hours like of that. And it's just like that draw, it, it just pulls you back in. I'm in New York all the time because of it. I feel like New York and I will forever be connected. I will I it's home for me. Yeah. Um so leaving New York was uh was tough, but I did it for family at the time. So I was married um and um uh, my my uh, mother-in-law um, owns the second oldest uh, daycare, like one of the oldest daycares in Maryland. Uh, so oh, when wow, we decided that's to amazing. have, yeah, so it was a no-brainer when we decided to have a child, just move a little bit closer to her, um, and that was the reason why we came down to DC first, um, and then to uh, to Maryland. So I'm here uh, now in state for my daughter, uh, but yeah, New York is just it's home. I I love the pace of it. It's intense. It's mm -hmm. um, gritty. It's all of the above. It's eight a.m. and eight p.m. like that. Like you don't really feel the hours in a day, but then when you yeah. like leave New York, like oh my god, it's two p.m. Like what happened to the day? Like you feel like it's still like the day is like really yeah. really long. But I love that about New York. I mean, I think there's just it's just it's unlike there's an other, energy. Like, yeah, it's energy. Yeah, it's energy for sure. Oh uh, yeah, really that was incredible. I love New York and obviously like what a food Mecca. And I actually was laughing so hard when I went to your Instagram. 
I guess I was sending you a message or something, and yeah. it's like long-suffering Knicks fan. <laughs> <laughs> that was passed down from my dad, unfortunately. I think like with most with most Knicks stuff fandom, but we're doing okay this year. We're in the playoffs this year, but yeah, for most of my life, the Knicks have been uh, a, a suffering, have been just a laughing stock, and. Um, but, but I love my team. I really do. And I think there's something about like, you talk about energy in New York when, for whatever, whatever reason, like the Yankees are really big. The Mets are obviously known. Um, but when the Knicks are doing well, that the energy in New York is just a little bit like, like people are just like nicer. You know what I mean? Like 50% coupons on Uber, like just like everyone's giving discounts. Like everyone just, just, you know what I mean? Like that's what I love about New York, um, especially with the Knicks. So, um, yeah. (laughs) that's my team i love that what is one of your like favorite restaurants in new york right now like if someone was coming into town to like meet you would you like take them to like an old haunt like a stomping ground or like would you be like we got to go here it's new and amazing yeah 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 um oh good one can i cheat and say both um yeah i would go to my favorite space right now um wow you should pay me because i'm gonna shout him out again eric ramirez um is uh, Lama Sands, Lama Inn. It's my favorite restaurant in in, um, in New York City. So Lama Inn is in Brooklyn. Lama Sands is a si- uh, sister restaurant in Manhattan. Yeah. Um, either way, you either one you go. I think I might have suggested it to you guys. Like either I was way, say, either-, either that sounds familiar from like reading yeah. something, or I feel like we have this conversation. Yeah, I think we might have had a conversation. Uh, but like either one you go to, the food is just phenomenal. Top of style, Peruvian, um, oh, yeah. and just flavor 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 so much just good bites so that's my favorite like uh, uh newer spot even though eric is like been in new york for forever yeah. he himself is a uh, icon in new york yeah um, and, like uh i love pizza so we can go to like grimaldi we can go to like grimaldi's we can go yeah. to um, uh wow uh peter luger's is pretty good on a sunday um so like these just like classic spots. I'll just say um, you're saying the classics. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I, I I love to like it's just timeless, you know, and you know it's consistent too. Um but yeah, some of my father's favorite spots, uh the musket room is really good in New York. Um Empleon is really delicious, uh for Mexican. Um mm. and I always want Mexican food. Yeah, it's never a bad time, like ever. Never. Morning, noon. <laughs> Seriously. <night. laughs> like, like, don't say Mexican around me if you don't want me to instantly be like, we can only have Mexican now because now it's in my head and that's all I want. <laughs> like it's the default, really. Like we'll just have Mexican. Yeah. Like if we can figure it out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's like, those are my, those are my go-tos for now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's always like something popping up for sure. Love that. Okay, so what's your favorite I like end... uh, place that you eat that you ate? Excuse me, when you were in New York. Oh, okay. So I have some things. One, Tell. one of my very best friends opened a restaurant in New York a couple of years ago called Residora. Okay, which I love. It's Italian, and the chef is Stefano Secchi, and he's incredible. So Stefano does Italian like I've never had before, and my friend David opened it with him and they're business partners. And so I love Resdora soft spot, but also it lives up to the hype. So that's nice. Um, and then I I used to manage it's what I love the name too. Resdora. Oh yeah. It's great. It's a really cool space. It's in the flat iron. It's beautiful. Um, and then I used to manage the Odeon in Tribeca. 
I was like one of the night managers. Oh, so, not yeah. too shabby. No kidding. Yeah. I know. Okay. Oh, my classic. Like that's a that's a staple. Yeah. It's a staple. I know. It's so funny because I'm just like, when I'm in New York, like I am drawn to the Odeon because a, I, obviously it's nostalgic, but b, I'm just like, you're gonna get a good meal. You're gonna get that like old school classic New York, but like French brasserie vibe. I mean, I just I actually highlighted it in last week's episode of the podcast or two oh, weeks ago awesome. because I'm like, it's just I love it so much. Like it's just you can't go to wrong. That steak tartare yeah. was like oh. classic. So yeah. to your point, like there's always the shout outs for like the newer restaurants, but like the all the, the restaurants that have been here for like 10, 15 years, 20 years, like that's not yeah. a small feat. They deserve, they're there for a reason. Like, Oh yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I'm like. The Odeon has been open for, I think over 40 years, like Vanity Fair, like wrote this whole article on them for their 40th, 30th or 40th anniversary. I can't remember now. And it's just like the stories that people tell about like the old days and the Odeon are like some of my favorite, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Um, So yeah, I love that. But like, also, I mean, when I'm there, I always try something new too. Like we, you know, I love to just bebop around and see what's new. Like last time I was there, I think I was telling you about Lords. We went to that place, Lords, which is like, right, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, like a Brit, like upscale British pub, and I was blown away. It was like one of the best Scotch eggs I've ever had. That's so dope. That's so dope. New York yeah, is awesome. So, this New York is, is awesome. Nothing, yeah, you can go to like one block and be like in UK, and then the next yeah. block be like. In Italy, like, it's just, come on. There's nothing like it. And, like, when I was, like, broke and living in New York, I was like, what am I doing here? I can't, I don't know what's <laughs> happening. I could, like, eat a piece of pizza for, like, $2 and be like, that's oh, a great what? slice. And also now I'm full. <laughs> what? Two bros saved my life for, you have no idea for how long. Oh, totally. yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, so my God. Good. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I love New York. It's definitely a... A culinary mecca never disappoints. Never, no, no. It's bad to get. It's it's hard to get bad food in New York. Yeah, it's actually like yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I end each podcast with a quick fire five. So you're just gonna say whatever comes to the top of your head. Let's do it. Last meal before you die. Burger, cheeseburger, bacon, medium rare. Nice. Okay, favorite city to eat your way through. New Orleans. Yes. I love that answer. Yes. If you yeah. weren't a chef, what would you do as a profession? Uh, something in film, I feel like. Um, yeah, something in film or maybe law. Film or law. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love it. You're like, I'm either going to be a director or a lawyer. I don't know yet. <laughs> Never thought that far. <laughs> okay. What is your favorite beverage? Like whether alcoholic or non-alcoholic, like beer, wine? Uh, uh, non-alcoholic is water. Uh, alcoholic is a, um, a mezcal last word. What's that? A last word? Last word. So it's a classic cocktail made from gin, chartreuse, uh, cherry liqueur, uh, and a, some lime, or excuse me, lemon juice, and um, I think some simple syrup. But uh, instead of gin, I like mezcal, um, and it's just chef's kiss. So freaking good. Do it. Do it that tonight. Do it tonight. Sounds if you can. incredible. I I can't drink mezcal, but like the gin version of that sounds oh, incredible. Do the gin version. Yeah, do the gin version. It's delicious. It's so good. Okay, I'm gonna have the the last word. The last um, word. Okay. Yes. 
And then my last question, number five, do you have any tattoos? Ooh, I do. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine tattoos. Nine, nine tattoos. All Are they all in that one spot? All <laughs> here. Um, You're like counting tattoos. all in this one area. I'm like, wait, what's happening? That's awesome. Yeah. Um, they all need to get redone. I haven't like uh, touched them up in. 10 plus years but it's a little uh, herb garden so it's like a rosemary stem there's basil there's parsley um uh, i there's love a knife that here. um what else yeah i got my just a little um little garden sage over here forgot about sage there you go so yeah that's so cool here. i've never noticed those i wonder why i've never noticed that yeah i've had them now for oh I actually got them when I moved to England. So yeah, 2012 uh, area, about 11 years now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So tell everyone where they can follow you. What's on the horizon. What should they know about your upcoming life, Eric? Oh my goodness. Um, well, thank you so, so much. I had a lot of fun. This was really cool. Oh God. I'm so glad. You get the Running the mill questions. Now, this was actually like a cool conversation. Not so, on table uh, so, five, Eric. Yes. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, I am Eric Edgepong. You can find me on, uh, geez, my Instagram handle is Chef Eric uh, Edgepong, E R I C A D J E P O N G. Uh, my website is uh, chefedgepong.com. Same last name, same spelling. Uh, yeah, a lot of great things on the horizon, things that I'm excited about. My book in October, um, I have my uh, actual adult cookbook coming out next year in August. And, Yay! Uh, uh, yeah, some crazy stuff now and some really cool partnerships that I can't say yet, but um, stay tuned because, oh, it's going to be a doozy. Oh my Yes, goodness. I'm excited. That's amazing. Well, Eric... As you know, I adore you. Thank you so much for coming on. I feel like we had such a fun chat and I got to know you even better and I just enjoyed this time so much. Thank you so much, Lindsay. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Don't forget to catch Eric on Beachside Brawl on Sunday nights on Food Network. Be on the lookout for his children's book and cookbook coming soon. And you can follow Eric across socials at Chef Eric Ajapong to stay connected. And don't forget to follow Table 5 Pod on Instagram and let me know what you think of Table 5, the episodes, anything else you want me to know. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave a rating and review. Thanks, y'all.